I got that off the ground because enough people in this industry saw me and the idea I had and what we wanted to achieve or I wanted to achieve and when I want to be part of that and I think you can do it. Hello everyone. Welcome back. This is Birmingham Food Cup 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 Pass. Cup <laughs> This is the podcast all about cubs. No, it's not. Yo, I could do a podcast on cobs. Oh, we should do a special on cobs, you know. I love cobs. What's your favourite cob? Cheese. But like thick. Cheese and onion, but the onion is as thick as the cheese. You know what I mean? And I yeah. mean thick, thick. I like a cheese and onion cob with loads of butter. And they're all in equal quantities. So equal quantity bread yep. to cheese and onion to cheese yep. and butter. Just basically a ball of just something that's going to give you a heart attack. With a pack of cheese and onion crisps on the side. Taters. Yeah, would be yeah ideally taters if you can get them, yeah. Uh, and I tell you what, do you a pint of bitter with a cheese cup was one of the best things ever when I used to drink. That was my favourite. That was just like going a nice, to a quiet uh, pub. Yeah, a nice porter does maybe with that. Or Guinness, yeah, Guinness yeah, or something that's good Guinness with it as well. Port, Anything yeah. like that just goes so nice with the cheese. You know, I don't think there's a cup I don't like. Yeah, any cup. As long as it, it depends on how good the cup itself is, the bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the flaky ones that just like crunchy you squish them yeah, yeah. probably gonna start a riot now you know because we called it a cob bap cob whatever bap. you want to call it you know it. we go with cob <laughs> well we went with cob because that's how you pronounce the podcast yeah yeah cobcast yeah. yeah cobcast but yeah what do you say cob uh, well for me a or cob bap. was like a crusty kind of thing but yeah. if it's soft Cubs i call it a bap. And bap yeah i'm yeah. the same if it's soft i call it a bap if it's crusty i call it a cob yeah this is the weirdest intro to our podcast ever, but this is I breaking bread. I think we bread. started a debate. <laughs> then there'll be people like, oh, which one do you call it? Which one? Oh, it's been going on for years, and it's like no, but the difference between a crusty one and a soft one. Yeah, or a roll. Some people call them roll, but the roll for me is more like you know, roll like is the hot right, dog. Yeah, it's the hot, hot dog. dog one. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a roll. A roll yeah. yeah. Either way, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Something to think about yeah, at the start yeah, of the yeah. podcast. <laughs> Joe Rogan, get your mind going. Sit away. Yeah, as you've heard, that's calm, like awesome co-hosts, and uh, I'm Liam. What? How, How you doing? Oh, yeah, you got in there before me. I always ask you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> me, well, I'm all right, actually. Head yeah. of the game. I'm doing well. I'm happy. Got another podcast out. We have been a little bit sporadic as of late. Things have been busy, man. We've had loads of family commitments. I've had family over from Ireland. You've been on holiday. Yep. So uh, we're always here. Don't worry, we're not disappearing. We'll never be gone, gone. <laughs> no, I don't. If I could win the Euro Millions, I wouldn't leave Birmingham. Don't worry about it. I'm here for the long haul. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I would have some kind of house in Birmingham, I think. Oh, I'd, yeah. I'd just, you know, I'd probably live around here. I'd live where I live now. I'd like where I live. Well, yeah, I'd probably keep my house. That's what I'd say. I'd, I'd keep my house now where I am. Maybe get something cool in Sturchley, just to have a base in Sturchley. No, nah, you just have a driver. Or a flat. Maybe a flat in city centre. That'd be handy. So Either way, we're it. definitely not winning no lottery, mate. Nah. People like us don't win a lottery. Boring people would be like, oh, I'm not yeah, going to leave my job. Like, yeah, they still work <laughs> and they just put it all in savings and then leave it to a dog or a cat. You know, We would die so young. We'd have like Simpsons for lunch, Adams for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Every day. 
We do have a friend. <laughs> we do have a friend who generally didn't play the lottery because he said if he had ever won it, he'd have probably died from excess. Yeah, I'd probably, uh, I'd probably agree. I think I'd he probably, probably would. Have. Yeah, I think, I think we probably would as well. Yeah, I think we've, uh, we've been out a little bit, haven't we? Been out, yeah, we're good old man. Cleopatra's has opened in Shirley now. Oh. That was hard not keeping that. We've because we've known about that for a very long time. Yeah, and keeping that under wraps has been difficult. But love yeah. that they came to Shirley as well. And hopefully, some more stuff will come and open in Shirley because it's getting there slowly. I'm having Cleopatra's tonight, man. They've got amazing stories where, you know, we're trying to get them on the podcast. If you're listening, Danny, we want you on the podcast, man. Well, they, they've said, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just getting diaries to work, isn't it? Same with everything. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, uncool Shirley to super cool Sturchley. Every It feels like something is opening there every month. Like, it is. It's That's why. It's ridiculous. They've obviously got Buddha Belly now. I don't even know if we spoke about it. We're still mad to get there. We've tried to book a couple of times. hasn't matched. Yeah, we've gone to go twice now and haven't been able to get a tail, which is good for them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Bad for us, good for bad them. Bad for us, good for them. Uh, and then Deadbeat, I mean. Oh, yeah, everyone knows how much we love Sham. Like, Yeah, the, uh, the man behind Bonehead's opened up his dive bar in... Sturchley and he's got nights on there with different pop-ups for food. We haven't managed to hit any yet, but we're we certainly going to try. Good about that. Even this weekend was um, yeah, OPM, OPM doing, pizzas. doing pizza. Yeah, I wanted to go to that as well. We're just so busy at the minute. It's ridiculous. But he's got Ravine Rabbit coming up. That one's in a couple of weeks. Everyone's raving about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to try Ash's food, man. It looks great. Everyone's raving about that. But he's got loads of pop-ups and then his own, that's, and then his own food comes in. But the bar's great. It plays all the music. Like, it's our bar. It's our like, dream bar. Like, yeah. It's just the music we listen to. Like, it's what free. I listen to in the house. <laughs> alcohol-free Mashgam. I love Mashgam. The best alcohol-free beer guy. Again, it's another bar that's great for you. Yeah. Like, with the options of non-alcohol. My favourite music. My favourite beer. Perfect. Yeah. And my favourite. Like, good options. They've always got a Daya on. And I love Daya. And they've got other great beers and music and his own food like it's, it's a mystery what he's when they start doing their own food what it's going to be but you know whatever it is it's going to be cool as yeah, fuck it's going to be it? brilliant you can guarantee it we, we went, the last time we went we went to um we hadn't been there one of the best pizza places in birmingham Alicia's. do you know what i felt bad do you know places that were there before Sturchley got cool yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Alicia's was the OG. It was the one that was always there, like, and everyone raved about it, but we just never, and then all of a sudden, everywhere came at once, and it was like, you're trying to get around all the new places, and you forget sometimes about the old places, and I feel bad about that, because when we went, it was brilliant. Oh, pizza was phenomenal. Yeah, you can see why well, it's a lot of people's favourites. I mean, even when I put the post up on Insta, so many people were like, it's the best. I was like... People are passionate about Alicia's, man. I'm rightly so. The dude who owns it met him as a nice, nice man. Yeah, I'm not getting into the argument of the best. Because mine changes every week, especially with pizza. I keep saying with pizza, it's different things. So, like, I love pizza. It's different pizza. Pizza's completely different to Poli. It's the same name of the thing, but they're very different. They're very different. You look at the ones OPM were slinging the other day, like pizza pies, cargo style, deep ones. I'm surprised nobody's doing that in Birmingham, to be honest. I've got a recipe book, so I'm going to just learn how to do it and I'll start doing it. I would love to try one. I would absolutely love to try one. The cheese on top. No, the cheese at the bottom and the sauce on the top. Once I've done it, you can come around and try it. Oh, it looks amazing. Because <laughs> I've got a proper stuff. American oh. book for it as well. Where else yeah. have we been? Oh, I suppose we've got one other place that's opened up in Birmingham recently. Bundabust. Oh, yeah, Bundabust, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Well, actually, we haven't been to the one in Birmingham yet because we couldn't go to the opening no, party. No, couldn't go to the But opening. we got took up to Manchester. 
Yeah, tried two in Manchester. If it's half as good as the ones in Manchester, then it'd be great. I, I mean, imagine it'd be exactly the same. But what sets this one apart is their own beer. Like mm. Their own beer is great. And they've got a big selection as well. Vegetarian. Yeah, all the food's veggie. Food was great. Didn't miss the meal. No, I didn't find no, it so no, no. I do find with that type of food, it's the only type of veggie food where you don't really notice nah, the meat less. missing. I love the scrambled egg dish that um, Chris Fatfurdy had. I thought that was class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, all the food there was good. All the beer was good. No one in Birmingham. I said, we'll get down there, but yeah, I'm looking forward to trying it. This weekend, Birmingham Cocktail Weekend. Yeah, yeah, man. We timed this one well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our timings are usually like, it's just happened, and then we end up releasing the podcast. So yeah, we've done well yeah. to time this we one. managed to get this one out real fast. She was great at talk, Alex. Yeah, we had Alex on. the creator of, she's from, her business is called Living for the Weekend. She does Birmingham Cocktail Weekend, Birmingham Restaurant Festival, wine Birmingham weekend. Wine Weekend. Just really just creating these awesome events to kind of get people into these awesome venues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get people into Birmingham. It's basically like we're on this campaign to say Birmingham isn't shit and show people that it's not shit by sharing these amazing stories. And she's doing the same by saying, look, Birmingham's not shit. Come and have a look. Come in these venues and have a look and see how, mm. how brilliant they are. Like, you know. I think Birmingham's reputation is a lot better now. I do think 100%. it's seen as quite good. But it's one of them. It's to show people just how good it really mm. is. Like, And the places that signed up to her restaurant stuff and the cocktail places, like, she's got nearly all the good places on there yeah. signed up to it. And some aren't purely just because of timing. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, like... It's just a passion for Birmingham. Passion for Birmingham. She's not even from Birmingham, which makes it even more special. You know, it's all right, us loving it. We had no choice. We were born here. <laughs> you do find we've had a few people on that are not necessarily from Birmingham. Yeah. But the, their passion for the city is just like gripped them. More passionate than a lot of people from Birmingham. Yeah. Well, there's sort of like that whole adopted vibe. They're like brought in and it's took like under their Tom, isn't it? wing them under their wing and just like she fell in love with the city. Yeah, she yeah, she yeah. could go back home but she chooses to be in this city because it's brilliant. Yeah, arguably these people love it more than we do. Mm, that's true. Well, we still, actually, we, we still choose to be here. Yeah, yeah, we choose. <laughs> and we did start this podcast by saying if we won the lottery, <laughs> we'd still choose to yeah, live yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it all kind of ties in. But this weekend, get yourself out there. You have to get your ticket online. Such good value as well. Oh, five Jesus. pound a cocktail. It's Three like cocktails the- in, you've made your money back. It's like the old days. It's like the 2000s again. <laughs> Bar Senza. Yeah, it's even cheaper than that. Like two cocktails and you've made your money back. Yeah. Like, yeah. unreal. You don't get many cocktails for less than 12 quid now. No. No. It's so true. these are £5 to go. Passing fancies, £5 cocktail. Yep. Five, mate. Five. I know. Even Carl's in disbelief. That. Five pounds. <laughs> He's doubting get, himself. You now. can't get a beer for five pounds without a cocktail. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Four pound for the uh, alcohol frizz, which has made a big effort with this year as well, which obviously made me happy. If you love what we do and you want to help us support Birmingham a lot more, you can do a couple of things for us. You can like, subscribe to the podcast. You can share our stuff on Insta. Or if you really love us, you can buy us a coffee. Um, All of this stuff really helps spread the positive Birmingham message. And tell as many people as possible just how amazing the city is. Well, that's it, man. It all just helps us do the podcast better. Yeah. We, we don't get anything for this. Like, nah. It's a passion project. Yeah. We love it. Brilliant episode full of great business advice and just passion for Birmingham. Here's Alex living for the weekend.
living that life. <laughs> I have on my like wish list. I've got a massive list of stuff I want to do before I'm like dead or whatever. And um, one of them is book a flight without a return flight. I've never yeah. done it. <laughs> I'm just organised. I've always I always know when I'm coming back. I think that's a bit boring. Yeah, I'm very very organised. So I wouldn't I couldn't do that. I'd be no. worrying. Oh, I've got to book a flight at some point. like yeah. What time? Yeah. When do I need to get? Like, but I think it'd be quite freeing. My hope oh, is it would be quite freeing. Oh, that's how we grew up there. Like when we went to Ireland for every summer holiday, it was like. When's when did you return? Don't know. My dad's just come over. He went came over for my daughter's communion. We're like, when you're going back there, it's like I haven't booked anything yet. The thing is, what I do is I pretend basically. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I've, I'm going, and I haven't got a return flight. But there'd be a date in my diary that I just don't can't imagine a scenario where I don't have. No. And then I'd just be a bit stressed that I hadn't got a flight, and I'd probably like I'd probably have one in my basket kind of thing online. <laughs> See, I feel adventurous <laughs> just getting a train that's open return. Oh my gosh, that feels like dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Living on the edge, I like, get any train, brilliant. <laughs> I'm probably going to leave a lot of that in, you know. So this is the start of the podcast. Oh, yeah, we'll just leave this everything. Don't worry. There's an intro done separately. So, this, is, this isn't the intro. <laughs> yeah, we do. Our bad chat about <laughs> yeah. how incapable we are of living life. I don't know. We've done it. I think it was the second one we cried. Where we, I think we went nearly the whole podcast without saying the name of the restaurant that he was opening. I know, yeah. when he was <laughs> like, literally six, the seven, worst PR people it. ever. Three of us were like, <laughs> got to the end, oh. we're like, mate, did you did you want to say anything? <laughs> it's the problem when you do ones with people you're like quite you pally know, with, though. Yeah. You just forget yeah. that yeah, you're yeah. doing a podcast. And you're supposed to have an aim to why you're doing it, and yeah. it just instantly goes out the window. Well, it's like if you're interviewing someone that you know for a job, and it's like so difficult for them because they've got to tell you like, so this is what the job i do and you're like well, yeah i know you do it for me but please do tell me for the sake of the panel <laughs> yeah. it's difficult yeah so so we don't do that welcome alex how are you doing i'm good thank you probably good. better known to everyone as the organizer of birmingham cocktail weekend birmingham wine weekend birmingham restaurant festival yeah that's it for now yeah, for now. Well, for Bristol now. Cocktail Weekend as oh, yeah, well Bristol, now. Yeah. Yeah. Branching out. We don't Storm. talk about other cities. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Cut that bit later then. Joking. <laughs> <laughs> jokes, jokes, jokes. Cocktail Weekend is this weekend. Cocktail Weekend is this weekend. That's yeah. what we're saying. We're That's sticking awesome. to the story. <laughs> yeah, so exciting times. Busy times, but yeah, really good. Really looking forward to it. So Berman Cocktail Weekend, that's where all this really started for yourself, wasn't it? Yeah, so Cocktail Weekend was our very first festival. So that's been running for nine years now. This is the ninth year. Nine years? Yeah. I remember it coming out as well. Um, planning for the 10th anniversary at the moment, which is next year. So we obviously had a gap in COVID. We did one year that was cocktail boxes from home. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and then one year that was kind of an adaptation of what we were allowed to do at that point in time, which feels like just a different world now looking back. Um, but yeah, this is year nine. So 43 venues this year was due to be 45, but um, two closures, which is kind of sign of the times, um, really last minute ones as well. So jukeboxes just a couple of weeks ago and actually one that had an issue with a kind of facilities issue. So a little bit different. But yeah, going to be brilliant. So one cocktail in each over the weekend then? One cocktail in each, yeah. <laughs> Five pound signature cocktail in every venue. There are people that try and do them all every year. But that's, that one's, I think that's a bit of a stretch even we, for, the, we even for myself. Like that one. I'd, I'd give it a good go. Drinking. <laughs> so lots of food offers, some mocktails this year. Definitely no pressure from us to do all of the venues. Um, but the joy of the festival, the way it's shaped, is you can kind of dip in for as much or as little as you like. So you get your wristband and then you can pop along and kind of do a couple of venues on Friday night and that might be all you do. 
Um, or you can do what kind of some of the harder core fans do and, and kind of start when the first venue opens on Friday and finish when the last venue closes on Sunday. Treat it as a proper sort of festival weekend. Yeah, all of do them. all the events, all the food <laughs> offers, get to kind of get chatting to as many people as you can. Yeah. So anyone who doesn't know, how do you, do you have to go onto the website and get your wristbands first and then you just go in and show them your wristband in the venue? And Kind of, yeah. So you buy an e-ticket online. Okay. Um, so our website, birminghocktoweekend.co.uk, um, head over to buy your wristband and then you swap your ticket basically at the hub. So we have a hub every year. This year it's the Highland Park Hub at Hotel Devan and you swap your e-ticket for the wristband. So you come down and see me and the team and yeah, exchange that bit of paper for a cloth wristband and a paper guidebook that tells you everything you need to know about the festival, all the details of the venues, all the opening hours, uh, dress codes, you name it, it's all in there, and the food offers and the special events. Yeah, the whole lot. How much is it? So it's wristbands start at £10. Yeah. Um, and then all of the signature cocktails are £5. And this is the first year we've introduced no alcohol alternatives into mm. the mix. And those venues that are offering that, there's about 18 of them, uh, those, those are £4. So it's all super, super It's a value. good, good yeah. discount. Yeah. You're talking nine, ten, twelve quid for cocktails nowadays. A, a normal, even more, sort of even range, more. Yeah. So, I mean, some of the venues, if you think about that, are taking part. Arella taking part. Tattoo, Isaac's, Passing Fancies. You know, you've got venues that, yeah, certainly at that ten pound and above mark. So, yeah, you you really do only need to have a couple of cocktails, and it's extraordinary value. But um, for those people that are enjoying it over the whole long weekend, yeah, it's really. <laughs> Which hopefully gives people an opportunity to get out there and explore the city. Obviously, we'll talk more about it. But how did it start? Are you, are you from Birmingham? No, does no. my accent give me away? You could have been from a posh part of Birmingham, <laughs> yeah, true, <laughs> Four Oaks or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not from Birmingham. I, I feel like I'm an adopted Rummy now. I've been here for ten years. Or oh, have I been saying ten years for? A year, somewhere around the 10 year mark. 10 or 11 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, I said eight years for 10 years and then I had to like upgrade it. I never said nine, interestingly. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I moved up here for a completely different job. Feels like a lifetime away. Um, but yeah, I've been here in the jewellery quarter for a decade now. What was it that brought you to Birmingham and what job was it? So my career history is really a strange one. So at the time I was in medical sales, so I was selling spinal implants to surgeons. Spinal <laughs> implants. Do. Um, and I moved up for promotion, so I was managing the, the Midlands for this kind of emerging spinal surgery technology company. Um, so I moved up for that and then and then had a eight years in museums, as you do. <laughs> How did you get and from now one to the other? Food and drink festivals. <laughs> How did you go from medical to the museums? So medical sales is a really strange environment. Like, I mean, so my degree was in social sciences. Mm. So I did like politics, economics, that kind of thing. And then spent years in operating theatres, showing surgeons like new technology of how to do things like disc replacements or scoliosis corrections, that kind of thing. But I didn't have a, well, I did have a science degree as it happens, but I mean definitely not a medical degree mm. and it's a really intensive environment it's like a very intense sales environment and it, it took, took its toll to the honest truth it just it wasn't for me at the end I, w mm. I wasn't really so interested in kind of chasing that bonus that's that kind of what keeps people in that industry hanging on it, it didn't become what motivated me anymore and yeah I had a friend that worked in the museums in HR and, and she said you used to love volunteering when you were at uni and I was like I did I, I ran the volunteer society of course I do. That's absurd, isn't it? Volunteer <laughs> society. 
Yeah, I also ran the Entrepreneurship Society and the Social Enterprise Society. So that tells you everything you need to know about my personality. So you had a lot of societies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, she said, we've got this volunteer manager role going. Like, you should go for it. And I, I just thought, why not? A bit of a change of pace. And, and yeah, I got, got the job by some miracle. Some crazy spinal surgery salesperson coming in to say <laughs> I can volunteer, manage volunteers in a museum. You got lucky because if you took that path today, you could have just made a fortune making YouTube courses. I call it entrepreneur bros. But yeah, so I was I was in the museums then. As I mean, I was only volunteer manager for a, a short period of time, but that that period in the museums like, was basically what changed my impression and kind of my love really for Birmingham because when I moved up from for the medical sales role I got up at six in the morning was in the car out to Coventry Hospital Nottingham Hospital one of the Birmingham hospitals and was getting back really late and I just you know I basically saw the Lord Clifton and at my road in the jury quarter and that was pretty much it and wow. it was only when I got into the museums and kind of my job to start understanding more about kind of the city and I was managing like 600 volunteers that were all just people that loved the city enough to want mm. to volunteer in the museums I mean those are people who are pretty blooming 600? passionate yeah 600 wow. volunteers kept that trust across nine museums going um I think it's even bigger a number now actually uh yeah so that's when I really started to to love it and then a, a new job came up it was commercial development manager and I went for that and did that for about a year. And then my boss, the commercial director, left and I went for that job. And I was commercial director for the nine museums in the city for, I think it was about eight years in the end. What did you enjoy most about Birmingham at that time? At that time, I think I just had no idea that some of the heritage properties that I looked after existed. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't heard of like Sarehall Mill, Aston Hall or any of those places and visiting them and just kind of seeing these incredible places that if they were frankly at most other places in the UK would have been determined you know as these gems of the UK I mean Aston mm. Hall is an extraordinary example of, of Jacobean of a Jacobean mansion and, and should be much better known in the UK um, and so discovering those places and being part of a team trying to kind of rectify that and trying to figure out ways to put those places on the map was an was a real thrill actually it was it was really exciting I mean I remember when Joe came to us and said we're talking about independent Birmingham festival going there that was game changing for Aston mm. Hall because it was putting it on the map for people that had definitely never heard of that place before first time I went there was uh, independent Birmingham yeah I know didn't I, know it was there just walked around I was like what? I've kind of seen it there. I knew it was there, but I, I didn't realise what it was or how nice it was inside. The fact you could go inside it and stuff on there the day and that was class. Yeah, yeah. Very, it was very cool. And then Antiques Roadshow mm. filmed there just before I left, which is another moment kind of in, in time for, for that property. Um, so that was really exciting. But I mean, because of my role as commercial director, I looked after the heritage properties, so those kind of places, but the main bulk of my, ro my role was the retail side of things, the e-commerce side, food and drink so it was like places like the Edwardian tea rooms were under my remit and I think one of the things I really loved was seeing how the food and drink element and the retail element kind of meshed or didn't mesh in some cases with that heritage offer mm. finding ways to kind of holistically think about a property that included the moment that people stopped to eat and drink the moment that they you know take a memory home in the shop bringing it all together was was kind of wonderful I miss that actually Mm. We were saying with Tom when we had I Choose Tom on the podcast. Like I Choose Tom, is that the like, new... <laughs> <laughs> the new name? <laughs> the new name. I do choose you, Tom. I choose Tom. <laughs> Start a campaign. So, we were saying about how, for some reason, Brummies, we don't like to shout about ourselves enough. 
as a city, we're just like, oh yeah, Aston Hall, yeah, it's brilliant, but that's none of your business. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to tell anyone else about it's it. Just yeah. it's just Aston Hall. It's just Aston Hall. It's just Aston Hall. Yeah, completely. But I mean, and that is, it's such a, it's such a thing, isn't it? That yeah. that approach of Brummies. But I think that is changing. And I, I listened to that to that episode, and I th- think Tom was spot on with mm. saying, you know, actually, we all have a role to play in in changing this. And like, if we can't champion our city then like you know why would anyone else so mm. i think it's yeah I, I see it more and more now people being much more kind of confident about how great yeah. birmingham is and and yeah I, I hope in some way our festival's a part of 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 that change that sea change really have you found many people come in from outside of birmingham for your festivals yeah so it's interesting so we obviously evaluate the festivals each year um and certainly we've seen an increase an increased percentage of people that are coming in for overnight stays. So that's great because in terms of an economic impact of what we're doing, that's fantastic. I think for restaurant festival, we were about 5% coming from outside of the West Midlands and about 20% coming from the West Midlands, the bulk being Birmingham. But the strategy would certainly be to change that. Like fantastic. I want people locally to enjoy that festival, but I also want it to be a reason for you to come for a foodie break in the city. Mm. Um so I th- I think, you know, ask me again in five years time and, and that will have changed even more. So you started Cocktail Weekend while you were at the museums. Yeah. Why yeah. did you why did you start? So I I have always loved kind of going out and drinking cocktails it's it's as simple as that so I, I haven't worked in a bar um I'm kind of I've really had some great experiences of visiting venues um and when I've moved up to Birmingham I remember really bear in mind this is 10 years ago so you know very different experience to what people are having moving to the city now so I think at that time I choose independent Birmingham mm-hmm. were both in the infancy if not I'm not sure they'd both started at that I point. think it's all two, it's from 2012 yeah. onwards mm. like Digbeth mm. Dining Club independent Birmingham I choose all kind of came to happen at the same time, time didn't it that was like the grand zero bang yeah spark. completely so at that moment when I came to the city I was kind of looking at like okay so I want to go for a great cocktail where do I go mm. um and I really struggled to find I don't know, a directory or something I could look at that said, oh, these are the places to go. And I was lucky. I had a few friends in the city, but not loads at the time. I was new to the place. And a few people took me around to like their favourites. And you know, it, at the time, it was Lost and Found, Bureau Bar, those kind of places. Um, obviously, Lost and Found still there. Great, great stuff. Yeah, nothing wrong with them. Yeah. yeah. But that was that was the extent of the kind of the knowledge that my friend group at the time had, and I couldn't find anything else. And then I slowly started kind of investigating off my own back and finding other places and went, Do you know what? I can't be the only one having this this difficulty going, I want to spend my money, I want to go out and go to some great places and have some great drinks, and I don't know where to go. Could there be a concept of a, an event that brings people together and encourages them to explore different venues? And that's kind of where it began. And that's one of the kind of pillars of Living for the Weekend, the company that does all of these now, that is we want people to explore the city that they're in and be that as a local person that's just venturing away from their favourite pub or venturing away from a, getting an excuse to go back to a bar they really love. Or it's someone coming to the city for the first time that doesn't know where to start. What great way to explore and figure out what a place is about than going around amazing bars or amazing restaurants and and meeting other people that are on that same journey. So it's definitely kind of one of the core premises is 
is really about placemaking and that kind of exploration of a city. Another for us has always been about getting people to try new things. So one of the things we do differently as a cocktail festival is most cocktail festivals in, in the UK at least, will tell you which drinks are in which venues. It's a bit of a point of contention every year. People <laughs> really want to know what's where. But we don't tell people because I know if someone turns up at a venue and thinks that they might not like, I don't know, like tequila in a cocktail, but they're there with their friends and it's five pounds, they'll give it a go. Yeah. And we know because I get feedback every year, both from venues and the customers saying, yeah, I tried I tried different things this year that I wouldn't have tried if you kind of hadn't forced me and I really liked X or Y. I appreciate that doesn't work for everyone. Actually, it didn't work for Wine Weekend, so we changed the approach for the last year of Wine Weekend and we tell people exactly what wines are where now. But for Cocktail Weekend, it, it does work. And so we're encouraging people to explore new places, to try new things. And then the kind of third element really beyond getting introduced to our partners and brand sponsors and um, the kind of amazing people that, that make it possible to do what we do it's all about a social experience i want people to talk to each other look at the map together and go where are we going to go next where's near where do you like i want people i love it when i see it to be talking to other people that have got wristbands on and going where have you been where what do you love and it's the main reason we've not yet moved away from the cloth wristband and the paper guidebook is because of that social experience so i know if you see someone else with a wristband on chances are you're going to have a chat to them where have you been what did you oh I love that one did you like that one mm. and if you see the guidebook you sat down at a table with your group of friends you, you we've always got note pages always encourage people to bring pens they're circling they're rating out of 10 <laughs> like that's a, it, it's a completely different connection that you're having with the group you're with it's more memorable it's more exciting so those are kind of that's a bit of a curve off your question, but well, it's three it's, really important it's, things. It's got to be beneficial for all the places as well. Mm. Surely you go in, if you try one cocktail that's there's the five pound one, like, well, should we have one more here before we move on? Or should we do this? Or I'm coming back to this place. This was great. Like, it must have so many benefits for the city. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And we kind of describe it to venues that are getting involved for the first year as almost like a calling card. It's, you know, it's your opportunity to be to be positioned in front of people that love food and drink. So you, you know, make your cocktail what you what you want to reflect how you want to reflect your venue. That's why we describe them as signature cocktails. Like reflect your venue well, give a great service, give a great experience during that festival. And yeah, absolutely people will come back. Um but we also know that people use our website in that way. And because we see the analytics so it doesn't just drop off after the festival all year round people are looking at that venue page and and I think it's because we kind of have accidentally created a well not accidentally (laughs) very purposefully but we've created this directory of places that people know do cocktails and 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 do them well um so yeah hopefully we're a useful tool kind of year round as well as in that festival window what was the lineup like for that first how many how many was there Great question. I think it was around 20, 20 venues. Pretty decent. Yeah, and we had the Hub Island Bar. I remember that really well. Mm -hmm. I think I hired like a fire eater, and I really to this day don't really know why. (laughs) (laughs) Just to do it? I just... (laughs) Always fancy having a fire eater on hand. (laughs) (laughs) Was he just following you around for the weekend? There's this woman on the door just like setting people on fire as she came in. I still really think about that, wondering why I spent my budget on a fire eater, but I mean... You know, maybe for the story. <laughs> but yeah, for about a thousand people that year. So it's it's gone from oh, kind of wow. thousand people, twenty odd venues, up to now we kind of we clo- get close to four thousand four thousand five hundred. Um, 
our biggest year, year five, we we had 50 venues. Um, and now we, we kind of look at between 40 and 45. That fits really well with the, the number of people. And we kind of adjust the number of venues and the number of people so that you don't get an experience of people can't get in places or venues don't see as many people as they'd like to see. It's kind of a bit of a balancing act. Mm. Um, so this year, for the first time, we had a waiting list of venues that um, that we couldn't get on. So obviously, it's really sad then when two couldn't be part of the lineup um but it was too last minute to add add others on but yeah must have been weird though like to, to approach them places in the in that first day and say i've got this wicked plan <laughs> like did they buy into it straight away or did they did need convincing or yeah it was it, i mean it was a bit of a hard slog to be honest to start with because i'm this girl that's turned up from medical sales like from just outside <laughs> london that's never worked in a bar and it's kind of turning up and being like all right guys i've had this idea do you want to do it but i think and it's so it's a real reason why whenever i can now if people come to me and say i'm trying to set up x i'm trying to set up y i really try and try and help because i got that off the ground because enough people in this industry saw me and the idea i had and what we wanted to achieve or I wanted to achieve and when I want to be part of that and I think you can do it I remember the first article I think it was the Birmingham Mail ran this article on Birmingham cocktail weekend might be coming to the city and there might be some venues and it was it was very much a and if it happens they will be four pound cocktails um but other than that most most people really just just engaged with it and embraced it and in its gone from strength to strength because everyone has bought into it but no there was definitely a moment in the early days where I was kind of selling selling my uh, skills shall we say <laughs> trying to convince people but yeah testament to everyone involved that you know we pulled it off in that first year and it's gone from there you say you get people approaching now who, who are looking to start events and stuff and you try and give them advice do you have a favorite piece of advice you would give them so the thing I try more to offer is kind of connections, actually. So mm. when people come to me and say, I'm thinking about this, my, my head immediately goes to who do I know? It's not always me that can offer that advice. Of course, I can give some advice on, you know, what what, what success we've had in terms of I know marketing tactics, in terms of suppliers we use, in terms of timescales for planning, all those kind of things. I'm always happy to sit down and chat about those. But the thing that helped me most was people in the hospitality industry connecting me with other people. So saying, oh, do you know what? I know the person that owns that bar. Or I know this brand rep. That's what started Cocktail Weekend in that early first year. The thing that I couldn't have got from anyone. It had to be lots of different people, really. So that's the thing I kind of try and give back if I can, really, to say, oh, do you know what? I I know someone that could help you with that. Or I, I, I know the GM there that might want to hear from you on that. Um, but that's Birmingham so that's through really and through. nice and practical then because yeah. sometimes you just get a nice inspirational quote from a, from a book that you, you get hands on and give yeah, them I've an, got no an actual network. <laughs> Is there anyone specifically that you found a massive help early on? Um, do you know what? There was there was a brand rep, um, Luke Toddwood. He was fantastic. He still works in the industry. Um, he was working for um, Edrington UK. It wasn't Edrington at the time. Um, and he really just bought into it and went, yeah, I'm going to connect you with this person. I'm going to connect you with this person. I'm going to connect you with that person. That was that was definitely the beginning, the beginning of things. Do you have a favourite memory from the nine years? Fire eater. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I yeah. <laughs> um, Do I have a favourite memory? Do you know I loved cutting the birthday cake for year five, and there was we had like a three tier cake. 
handing it out to like the first couple of hundred people that came to the hub. And I insisted on handing out every slice myself. So I got to like <laughs> chat to everyone. I mean, I get to chat to everyone every year anyway. That's a massive highlight for me. But it was just so amazing for people to be like, I've been, I've been to everyone. This is my fifth one. I really loved it. And that that is a highlight for me every year. It's one of the reasons I work on the hub still. Like I a lot of people say, you know, a bit hands-on, like you step back now, you're trying to run the business, don't work in the business work on the business and I completely believe that and and think it's important to do that but in this moment when the festival's happening there was nothing more valuable to me than being in the hub seeing everyone start their cocktail adventure hearing people say we do this every year together or we know exactly where we're going who do you think is going to win the competition this year all that chatter is amazing and actually it's, it's also incredibly useful so the reason we've introduced non-alcohol alternatives this year is because there was has been a lot of chatter over the years of saying, do you know where would do a good mocktail, my friends, you know, pregnant or whatever and can't come and have this, but she wants to come on the journey still, that kind of thing. Um, and it's why we introduce you know, dog-friendly icons in the book. Oh, I've got my dog with me, do you know where I can go? <laughs> we wouldn't have got that intel, you know, that insight without being there chatting to people. But I think that probably every year is, is a highlight just meeting people there you go you do know hospitality you just didn't know it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is basically yeah. the essence of hospitality is yeah. connecting with people yeah well exactly and that and that's i think why the festivals work so well for the for the businesses that we're working with because we do mm. we're sharing sharing that goal and that just the thing that i get to do is create something that is a champion for multiple venues and i think that's the reason i think it could be a real tool for showcasing birmingham on a, on a national, international scale, because it's not just, you know, me trying to push one venue. Mm. It's, I'm saying, I've got 45 fantastic bars doing something really cool. This is an excuse. This is a hook to talk about the cocktail scene in Birmingham and same for, for the restaurant scene. It, it's the hook to to talk about our city in a different way. That's that's what's exciting about the festivals. But you're right, there's absolutely like shared goals, otherwise people wouldn't buy into it. I was going to say, I think it's nice as well that you haven't got like an ulterior motive or can't be accused because you haven't got like shares in any of these places. You do it purely for the love. It's a bit like us. We do this purely for the love of the places. I mean, that's nice. Some, someone can't accuse you of that as well. You're kind of bulletproof. Precisely. There's that. Yeah. Exactly that. I've got no stakes in in any of the venues that, that I'm talking about. And, and I would intend to keep it that way for mm. that exact reason. Um, and it's still hard. Don't get me wrong. I still get people contacting me if, you know, if <laughs> I've got a good article that's gone out. Like, well, why did they pick those venues? And often, mm. I, you know, I really try and encourage press to, ha- you know, to choose their own venues to showcase or to select which cocktails they want to talk about in articles that's, yeah. you know, to suit their audience. Um, just to kind of keep keep as fair as I can do, really, in that in that kind of line of communication. It's one of them things with cocktails is like, well, for me, they they're on a par with a great meal. If you can have a fantastic, because they're so individual as well, and the person making it, it's not like going somewhere and having a woo woo in Weatherspoons or going somewhere else and having the same one. Going, oh, this one's got too much orange juice. And like, these are creations. People are like going to massive efforts a lot of the time especially at the high-end places, to make these incredible creations. And as much work goes into the prep for these as it would a really fancy meal a lot of the time. Yeah, and I mean, I think that it's really interesting you say that because we talked a lot about, I've been talking a lot about this with bars in the city when we were looking at introducing this no-alcohol alternative as well because we, the dialogue was these drinks are getting the same amount of love and attention as the drinks with booze in them. 
And yet there's just this kind of value proposition issue with a drink without alcohol in it. So we were talking about how how we price that alternative. And it just prompted a dialogue exactly as you've just said, that like, you know, these drinks have got a lot of time and, and love and energy that have gone into them. And what's really nice now is a lot of venues will do kind of internal cocktail competitions to find their cocktail for the festival. So there is someone, I, often I get to meet them when we do the kind of tastings and the, and the photo days. There's someone that that's their baby. They've made mm. it. They've won something. It's named after their grandma or you know something really that's actually genuinely for one of them this year i think there's there's real like yeah love and attention that's gone into those drinks um and and that's that's special and you'd mentioned the people side and that's we're trying to do that more now in in cocktail weekend is showcase the people behind the drinks so for the entire time the festival's run we've always re- revealed or released this photo album of the signature cocktails of the festival and though that's always been an incredibly popular album. Now, before we release that, we release the people behind the drinks. So this album of of, of the bar teams or the bartender that's made that drink. And that is now nearly as popular an album as the the photo album about the, the cocktails themselves. But I'd love to get more of the kind of people's stories across in, in moving forward in the festival. Because you're right, people really put their, you know, blood, sweat and tears into the drinks that they're serving. Rob's alcohol-free drinks are just ridiculous, like, ridiculous. They're as good as alcoholic cocktails. They're the best drinks I've ever tasted, alcoholic or non-alcoholic. They're unbelievable. Because he puts the same amount of love mm. and care into them. There's there's no doubt yeah. about it. And that is the case for lots of venues. Well, yeah. not, not, it's an emerging space, I think. Yeah. So we've taken the decision to introduce these, the no-alcoholic alternatives Um only half the venues took took us up on that. It was like it's basically a trial this year. So about fifty percent of the venues said, "Yeah, do you know what? We'll give it a go, and we'll see how sales go for venues and how customers respond to it. Whether it's a popular thing. Mm. So far, the data is telling me it's going to be popular, but you never know how that translates <laughs> on the on the weekend. Um, and my hope is that it will actually encourage people to to up their game in that respect where venues aren't putting as much love into it because there's definitely a mix in the city. Mm-hmm. Lots of people doing great stuff and others that probably aren't giving that side of their menu as much attention and part of that will be because of the sales figures for it. Well, you'd hope some people would see it as a challenge mm. more than anything. Right? Well, I'm going to make a great non-alcoholic cocktail then. And because in, in some ways, like, you know, what a challenge because the, some of the, the no-alcohol spirits or those alternatives in, in this space, you know, some of them are, are good and there are some real emerging players in that field, but there's a long way to go with a lot of them. And it's really difficult to get some of those sensations of alcohol into a drink that doesn't have a spirit in it. And people do all sorts of fascinating things with chili, with pepper to get that kind of fire to to the to, to a drink. But getting that balance right is is, is hard mm. too. And how that changes the balance of the drinks. So there's so much to think about when you're trying to in any way replicate alcohol in that. Um in a drink but I mean some people don't try and do that and it's just a a different a different proposition yeah it's fascinating it's a fascinating thing I'm really excited about um seeing how those goes go down and hopefully it'll be popular enough that we can make it a mandatory thing you know you have to create a signature cocktail and a signature no alcohol alternative in order to participate and that will hopefully be another step change in in what what everyone's doing it makes sense you might have a couple not saying me and Carla a couple me and my wife We'd go out, oh, I don't want to go to that because I, I don't, what's the point of going to that? I don't drink, you know, makes sense. Doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, from a trends perspective, mm. it's a movement. Um, and 
our demographic will, you know, everything, everything will change over the years and everything I'm reading is saying kind of younger people coming, uh, drinking less. So mm-hmm. let's see how that plays out and, and what those, whether those trends continue, but it felt to me like a good thing to be able to offer our customers right now. It felt like a good thing to be able to kind of encourage venues to do. And it felt like the right time, um, to give that a try and, and, and establish that as something that's core to, core to what we do. Mm. it's the right i mean like it was probably good when you started but the cocktail game in birmingham at the moment is so strong as well completely transformed like we've got like top 50 cocktail bar lists they're pretty much all the big players are in there now yeah it's really exciting i mean so i'm one of the there's a massive academy of judges for the uk top 50 cocktail bar list and i play a very very tiny role in that i get to place a vote on that and i, I do but what i do do is invite people up for cocktail weekend every year to get people into the city that get a vote or that know that that um that awards mechanism and I want people to see Birmingham um and I remember when we first started doing that and people would say you know where should I go while I'm up where 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 do you recommend me going to see um and it was yeah okay I'm going to give you a few places and there's some really great people doing really great stuff and now I'm like you need longer than a day yeah you've got You've got a lot to go after here. Um, you wouldn't make it for the day of just naming the good cocktail places in Birmingham. You couldn't do them all in one day. No. And actually, I mean, I was thrilled. So this year we've got um, Ikigai coming back. So obviously they are in the jewelry quarter last year. That So it's our first ever pop-up for Cocktail Weekend this year. And they're doing a pop-up with Hendrix Gin at the Coffin Works. So we're kind of that, if that works, there's also hopefully or certainly part of my kind of future thinking, future planning is if people respond well to that, if it works well for Luke and the team, then well, that opens up some doors to bring other players from outside of that kind of city centre core in. Um, and so we can really reflect kind of everyone that's doing awesome stuff in, in Birmingham in the cocktail space. That was first. Was restaurant one second or wine? Wine weekend was second. So yeah. wine weekend was, ooh, 2018, I think, maybe mm. 2017. Um, started with a similar premise, wristband, guidebook, four pound glasses of wine events were a bigger hitter for for wine weekend so wine dinners we partnered with the wine events company um and did all sorts of kind of cooler cool higher ticket price point kind of events through them um but every year wine weekend so i look back at cocktail weekend every year and i'm really pleased with it there's always Mm -hmm. something i want to tweak something i want to change something i think has potential I'd get to the end of wine weekend and go, I know people had a great time. The evaluation was always really positive, but it it was never what I really wanted it to be for the city. And I could never quite pinpoint why. So we kept trying different things and changing different things. And I think we got closest to what I want it to be the last time the festival ran. So we invested in an app. We gave people all the tasting notes, the wines in advance, the tasting notes for those wines. I kind of challenged the bars of Birmingham to come up with wines that were interesting that was the brief like give me wines that people might not have heard of that might not have thought to try um and as I said you yeah you could go into the app and find out what was where which was the fundamental difference between wine weekend and cocktail weekend but really was just what the what the audience was screaming for Mm. and I get that um, and we added more events into the mix. We did like a wine tour of the jewellery quarter, which was really popular. That was that's, that was wicked. We brought suppliers in kind of for the first time producers in to talk about what they were doing, which we hadn't done before. 
um and it went really well it was really exciting but I just I still got to the end of that festival and went this isn't this isn't it I don't know what's wrong what's wrong but this isn't it um so that's that's still my work in progress wine weekend it's not it's not dead in the water it's not gone and we've been running the wine roundup for nearly a year now which is just an e-newsletter that goes out once a month covering all the cool wine events in the city that are running whilst wine weekend's not happening. We've done some kind of partnerships, like we celebrated World Champagne Day with Arch 13 and did like a champagne flight. And um, there's a couple of things coming up that will be cool too. But that one is definitely it's the thing that is just needs needs something else. And yeah. I will figure it out. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it will be brilliant. But it's just good at the moment. And I that's not what I want for the wine scene in Birmingham. We it deserves better and, and I want to give it better. I just haven't haven't hit the nail on the head with that one yet. Do you still work with Tony? Yeah. Yeah. Tony's yeah. a legend, isn't it? Yeah. So Tony um, is doing some wine events for Restaurant Festival this year. Yeah. So wine lunch at Chapter and a wine tasting dinner at Zindia. Um, yeah, I love working with Tony. I'm going yeah. to Mamma Mia with Prosecco this weekend. Don't mind me. Oh, he's moving. Like <laughs> <it's looking laughs> yeah, they look cool. That's, yeah. like, that's the only time where I think, oh, I wish I did drink just so I could experience them things. Like, you know? <laughs> they do them very well. I love yeah. that they do those things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some great players. I love working with Loki. I love working with Arch 13. Mm. Really loved working with Vinateca. I think Vagabonds are great. There's you know, it's lots of great places doing really cool stuff with wine. Vinateca was sad how it just oh, fizzled gutted. out. It's just, yeah. it just felt like they didn't really put the same effort in as they did anywhere else. You know, it's... I think it was a, an incredible venue. I think it was difficult to maybe for people walking past to understand what it was or who it was for um but i loved i loved expensive rent as well yeah for sure for sure they needed that to work didn't they in a building Mm. i don't know who will take that space i'll be interesting to see just some bad thing you see now you get these places that are massive Mm. and then people you've got to be massive to move in there then Mm. she's got a massive place someone was telling us who was going there but i can't remember what i don't remember that Maybe you'll remember Maybe when the mic's off. <laughs> <laughs> if you could remember when we finished. It's got Weatherspoons written on no, it. Oh, no, don't say that. Gutted. Yeah, because I really want it. I said I really want a Hawksmoor. And they were like, Hawks oh, you are going to be gutted <laughs> because it's going to be this instead. And I was like, nice. Oh. I, I could have I could have seen, I could have guessed with the vent yeah, that we yeah, predicted. It'd have to be something like big, wouldn't it? There's no other way. Yeah. I've never been to Hawksmoor, but it just, I just, draw at their pictures on socials yeah and, and my friends <laughs> like london friends are just fabulous things so they were like new they chose new york over birmingham i don't know if i can forgive them for that shocking isn't it <laughs> at least we'll come keep to fighting it come to birmingham before you go abroad <laughs> jesus even the shame came to birmingham <laughs> oh man how did the restaurant festivals second year this year yeah, so last year was kind of proof of concept, if you will. Can this work? Um, can this do something cool? Um, and this year is like the exciting year, really. Mm. Really, really excited about Restaurant Festival and what it can do. Um, what made you want to do it? Just had too much spare time. Yeah, all this other stuff you were doing. <laughs> do you know? <laughs> on top of your full-time job. <laughs> so what, So actually, Restaurant Festival, the idea came, yeah, when I was still commercial director at Birmingham Museums, yeah. but the delivery came afterwards thankfully (laughs) otherwise i'd have some gray hairs i think on my head by now um so interestingly restaurant festival i kind of came out of some rage (laughs) rather than like 
a real, like, I want to show people the city. I was furious that Birmingham didn't have a restaurant festival mm. because I was doing a bit of research on other festivals in the UK and abroad and the places that had restaurant festivals that, and Birmingham's food scene was ex- like much better. Google, you can Google it. Google restaurant festivals UK or restaurant festivals the world. And there are places with far less established, far less exciting mm. centres of extraordinary cooking than Birmingham. Like, that it insane to me that we didn't have something like this. We obviously have got food festivals and that's great, but mm. we didn't have anything that was giving people that opportunity to go and experience a restaurant in situ. So that's the difference, right, with our festivals to food festivals that take place in, you know, halls or in fields or those kind of things. This isn't about just a taster of what you can have in a venue. It's about the full experience of that venue. I want you to go in and actually sit in a rail and see the view and eat Chris's food and have that whole experience so that you want to come back and have the full price menu. That's that's the ask. That's the the excitement. But we didn't have something like that. Um, and I remember initial conversations were with Colmore Bid because they were the ones that kind of shared that ambition and had had similar ideas. But I really wanted it to be broader than just just that space. And they were really on board with that. Um, and that's where that one started with why do we not have this? OK, great. There's someone that's going to support the kind of research and the development of this. Fantastic. OK, we can build from here. Then there are a couple of other bids came on board, a couple of um, booze brands through those relationships with Cocktail Weekend. And suddenly it became a premise that we could explore. Setting these things up isn't cheap. You know, you just think of all the basics of like websites, brand development, that kind of stuff. But we did it, got buy-in from some really great places, um, had really good feedback off year one. Not, not the numbers I'd want to see moving forward, but for year one, mm. great. Um, and then for year two, now... Um, the it kind of exciting opportunity to partner with the Birmingham Festival that's um, taking place the first weekend of Restaurant Festival. The conversation we had with them was really about saying, yes, okay, you're going to have food stands and encourage people to do picnics in Centenary Square and that's kind of what this you know, free cultural festival has to and is, is going to be about. But they also wanted to see how that festival could, with our help, support hospitality venues too. And what I was saying is, well, if you want to do that, you know, if anyone wants to do that, it has to be about encouraging people into those spaces, not just giving restaurants a pop-up space where you are, because that's expensive, number one, for those venues to do. Um, not all venues can do it. The best way you can support those venues is by getting bums on seats in the in the venues themselves. Yeah. You kind of lose the essence of the restaurant, mm. though. You know, you ask any street food mm. trader what it's like. It's nightmare. So to get a restaurant to try and take pack up their shit and take it to a tent or a gazebo. When it's not what they do day to day. It's a nightmare. And then half of the magic of a restaurant is the whole experience. It's the atmosphere. It's the ambience, the front of house. It's everything that contributes to a good night in a good restaurant. It's not a fair reflection of their food. Yeah, street food is brilliant because it's meant to be street food. It's meant to be done like that. It's meant to be the buzz. It's meant to be raw. It's completely different to what you're doing. Just amazing, like. Well, and it's a restaurant festival, not a food festival. And there's, yeah. pl- there's a place yeah, yeah. for both. Yeah. But what oh, yeah, we're yeah. trying to do is is that is exactly what you've said. Mm. Give people that opportunity to have a, a holistic customer service, that holistic mm. dining experience. So how does this one differ in how it works compared to the other two? So for both Cocktail Weekend and Wine Weekend, you buy a ticket mm. and then you get access for Wine Weekend to the app or to, for Cocktail Weekend to the guidebook and wristband that I mentioned. For Restaurant Festival as a customer... You literally subscribe on our website so you get kind of first to know when stuff goes live. But right now, the menus and the venues are all live on our site. So if someone wanted to go and 
be part of Restaurant Festival, they go onto our website, go onto the Explore Restaurants page, search for whether they're looking for lunch or dinner, cuisine, what area, pick the place they want to have a look at. On the website is the festival menu. See what you fancy, see if there's anything on that you want to eat. Great. There's a booking instruction on each page. So it might either be you have to specifically mention Birmingham Restaurant Festival in like the reservation notes section or for some venues, it's just you have to use this particular link and it's set up to so they can track who's who's chosen to go for the restaurant festival menu. And that's it. Then you turn up 28th of July to the 27th of August and enjoy all those festival menus. And the concept is different again to wine and cocktail weekend. So for those, it's a set price, right? So every venue has to partic- that's participating has to create a signature cocktail for that £5 marker. For restaurant festival, um, and you guys, obviously, this will be really obvious to you guys, but we didn't want to force anyone into a kind of a box to say this it's gonna gonna be a set menu for 30 pounds because some venues would be able to do way better than that Mm. other venues wouldn't want to or couldn't get close so for restaurant festival the brief to the restaurants is create the best possible value for money that a customer can get in your venue at that point in time so that might be a 69 pound tasting menu at RL, or it might be a 10 pound two courser at the alchemist you know it horses for courses but it's the best value you can get at that point in it's time great value. What, the normal uh, tasting menu around what 120 or something so it's pretty much half price yeah, it's it's up there, isn't it? It's the definitely somewhere wise. close. I'm sure it is. And then, oh, I was looking at it the other day. Some of the offers are incredible. Yeah, oh, really, I spent really a good. Great lunch break. Just looking at all of this. But you don't charge it. Like, there's no extra charge. Like, it's not like the cocktail where you buy a wristband. No. This is just people go on and book it. There's no extra. There is no charge at all, which is obviously a massive flaw in my own business model. I was going to say. I was gonna, that's going to be the question. I what, love what's the advantage? too much. I was going to say, where's the advantage? <laughs> that's the challenge. I'll figure that one out. Um, yeah, so the 50p booking fee. Yeah, maybe I'll start to add that on. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is. I mean, you guys are sitting here doing this, you know, for for for, for free. You fall in love with the city, you want to make it work. My my goal with Restaurant Festival is obviously moving forward that it will be a contributor to the company. At this point, financially, it is not, um, but it is for the city, and actually that genuinely is important to me I mean, that tells you everything about how adopted I feel into this city I, I can't really visualize living anywhere else I feel absolutely like it's home I've loved my journey here being part of the museum definitely was part of that in kind of understanding the heritage and the history of the city but I love I love where we are I love the path the city's on and if I can play a role in some way in supporting the awesome people in the hospitality space doing cooler and cooler stuff in this city then great fantastic no this festival at this point isn't going to be the thing that you know means i can pay my sky high electricity bills (laughs) or whatever but i want to get it there and i think it will eventually be great but right now if it's great for the city that's 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 it that's absolutely enough for me yeah i mean eventually there'll be sponsorship opportunities and stuff Mm. like that you know it will come I, I'm not promising that. Don't, you don't say, don't say, Liam, I'm breaking Are you, you going to sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the info pack. <laughs> don't, go, don't go quoting me on that. But nah, if you're doing it for the right reasons, I'm pretty sure it will come, you know. But we're glad you're doing it because yeah, it's kind of like a, we're just championing them restaurants, you know, and all contributes to the city. Uh, I don't know. You might not be able to, you might be uh, 
Did you have a favourite menu last year? <laughs> Everyone always wants to know what my favourite yeah. bars are, my favourite yeah. restaurants, and I always swerve this question. So watch <laughs> me swerve. <laughs> um, no, okay. I'll so say last what, I'll year, ask you for a couple of highlights. No, that was a good. Yeah. The good. Actually, your question was a very fair question. Last year, did I have a favourite menu? I really enjoyed Le Petit Bois tasting menu. Um, I had a really great time there, and I love the team there. Um, and I think at that point, it was the first time that they'd done a tasting menu. And that that's kind of, um, I think it was. I'm trying to think now. I'm pretty sure. As Le Petit Bois, yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. People yeah. are going to think we're going to, we didn't tell you to say that because obviously they're our friends. That's a big, yeah, we talk about them all the time. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, no. You <laughs> we didn't not. say before we started recording. Make sure you mention Just mention <laughs> <laughs> um, No, and we're also doing a supper club with them actually in the festival. So oh, nice. I've got to admit, when I was yeah, looking for the website, cool. there's the one yeah. that stood out to me. I was mm. like, right, I'm booking that one. I think it's no coincidence though, but I remember them talking about it last year and Ben was like, you want to see the menu we've done for this? It kills it. You know, when someone's put that much passion into yeah. it, you know, it's going to come out well. And even this year looks wicked. Yeah, completely. Yeah, and the chicken that, with the chicken skin. Oh. And that, But that's the thing, isn't it? They did. They put their heart and souls mm. into that and they wanted it to work. And uh, when we were looking at where to do the um, supper club, so we've got Lefroig looking to pair them with a restaurant in the city for our August supper club. And it felt like a really cool fit. So mm, I did it, see this pop up and I was like, oh, hello. Mm, so that's problem is I don't, I don't know <laughs> when to go. <laughs> you guys, together forever, surely. Yeah, it's the way he doesn't drink, though. Oh, yeah, double the whiskey for you. Double the whiskey. Yo, that's not a bad <laughs> show. That's not a bad show. <laughs> so that will be, be cool. Um, but that was a great menu last year. There are There is a lot of really good ones this year. Um, you have to go on the website to have a look. Mm, check it out. Have you got any other West weekend festival ideas coming up? Oh, hang on. So, while, before that, why is it a week, not a weekend? So, oh, no, sorry, why is it a month, a month, not a weekend? Yeah, so last year it was so Birmingham Restaurant Festival, so there's no weekend in the brand for that one. So I'm, I'm free to make it as long as we want it to be. <laughs> so last year it was two weeks, um, and the initial intention was for it to stay as two weeks. But when we were looking at the partnership with uh, the Birmingham Festival, to do that, it was around extending it so that our dates aligned with theirs. Mm. And it just felt like a perfect opportunity for kind of actually for both festivals to work together and kind of bring culture and food. I've, I've talked about my kind of history and past career and that's really important to me. So it was such an exciting opportunity. I wanted to find a way to make that work. So we extended the festival to meet those deadlines and meet that meet that um time frame for, for Birmingham Festival 23 um which I'm thrilled we were able to do and thrilled we we're able to work together but the reality is if it works for the venues then I absolutely see the festival continuing to be a month long um because it gives people more opportunities in what is otherwise you know a really quiet time in the city to go and and um and and dine out so if it works if this year the evaluation tells me that venues got more out of it being a month and and our festival goers loved it because they got to eat at more places then yeah let's great let's do it for a month i was gonna again. say it's not like a drink or a wine where no. you can just go and have three different places in one day the restaurant you can only go like once a week really if it's one of the higher end ones precisely, precisely. so it gives people plenty of time to try a few more we've got a few more kind of lunch deals and lunch offers in there this this year which i think is exciting and can open up opportunities for people to eat out more often um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we're in a cost of living crisis at the end of the day as well. And so having a month and giving people at least one payday within that mix, <laughs> I think it's, yeah, I think I th it felt like 
the right time to trial it felt like a good length of time and it'll just be whether you know what the data tells me at the end of it now very professional everything's data driven (laughs) (laughs) do you know it's so it's funny I definitely wasn't that in the early days I really I do really like data I, I I really like stats and I like being able to make business decisions based on on data that gives me like as a commercial former commercial director that is just where my head goes Mm. but I do do a lot on gut instinct and I used to be really nervous about saying that saying oh you know my gut's telling me this and then I I can't remember I read somewhere you know gut instinct is just you know the combination of your experience and skill set isn't it that's you know that is what that instinct is your life experience telling you what why you think something is the right decision so yes absolutely I'm data driven in what I do but some of it is absolutely based on a gut feel and for example our first expansion going to Bristol that's a gut feel that's not data telling me that's the city with a bigger population size. <laughs> that's not data. That is a gut feel that that is an exciting and emerging scene that that I want to be part of. And the people that we're working with felt good. And yeah, gut, all gut instinct on some of these things. Bristol's a cool place, man. We've been yeah, to Bristol. Bristol's nice. Bristol. I like Bristol. I think I'm only going to ever be able to work with places that begin with B. That's the <laughs> accidental. Well, some cool places. Bath. I know, yeah, Bath, yeah. Brighton. Brighton. <laughs> all the cool ones. <laughs> Everywhere good school places for B. <laughs> What were you going to ask before I asked? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got all these. Is there any other weekend or any other festival ideas you've got coming up? Not for this year. Um, I really want to focus on getting Restaurant Festival off the ground fully. You know, year two is an important one. Year three will be equally as important. Um, those kind of first years of, of those these kind of events are formative. Um, so that's, that's a real focus. Our cocktail weekend knows what it is, knows who it's for, venues know what it is and who it's for get great feedback from people every year i'm really excited about kind of making tweaks to that festival adjusting it and continuing to do things like adding the no alcohol alternatives and changing up the events that kind of thing and we will do some exciting stuff for the 10th birthday so next year that will there's, there's some cool ideas in play for what that will look like um but restaurant festival is the focus because it's just still forming mm. um and so that kind of needs needs more of my my time and energy at the moment. Yeah, there are other ideas like in the depths of my mind. Um, <laughs> Don't giving them a wham. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but what what those look like remains to be seen. I, I can't really imagine as a company us kind of venturing away from the culture and hospitality spaces that we operate in currently. Those are places that's like the industries that I most personally drawn to and I always I want to put my heart into these things as as well as kind of my my time and energy so I think it's important that you've got love for the thing you do Mm. is there anything Birmingham or food related that's important to you that we haven't spoke about yet I think do you know what it's just been really nice to chat about what the festivals can do for the city and I suppose really just how it's it's you know a lot of people say so who's in the company and I'm like oh yeah it's it's just me. So I, I do the Royal We quite a lot. I've noticed it. I've, I, think, I think I've said us a few times on this yeah. podcast, actually. I'm like, yeah, us, me and my big team, me and my dog. Um, I mean, but I say that, that actually is an enormous team in some ways. It might only be me and the company, but actually, you know, I couldn't do any of this without the brilliant freelancers that, that I work with and all the venues. Um but is there anything else I kind of want to touch on other than to just really say thank you to those people that have supported 
us over the years in in developing and growing the festivals people that still continue to buy tickets for cocktail weekend <laughs> and wine weekend and turn out <laughs> to enjoy the festival menus like that's it's just awesome i love it i'm so grateful to to kind of even be able to be chatting to you guys and, you know, and talking about this stuff that's one thing we should bring up. So cocktail weekends this weekend come in. 7th to the 9th of July. And then Birmingham <laughs> Restaurant Festival is... 28th of July to the 27th of August. So yeah. it's all close then. Yeah, really, really close. So lots of opportunities to go and have great food and great drink in the next month, two months. Get out there, support mm-hmm. those places because they need it. <laughs> they really do. Absolutely. <laughs> we end on the Carl's Questions. Just a fun way, light-hearted way to finish the podcast. Great. Nothing too taxing, nothing too draining. Well, I've just added one to the list now. No. Um, just for you. What's your... Oh, no, it's not favourite venue. No, no, no. I've been caught asking that before. I'm going to off. <laughs> this is a, not specific to a place, but what's your favourite classic cocktail? Oh, I am torn between three. Oh. Come on, say all three and we can rate them. No, I'm going to go right now. Right now, bloody love a pina colada. Yeah, that's a Summer, popular cocktail, that is. Fabulous. Day to day, I really love an old-fashioned. I love all the twists on old-fashions that people mm. are doing. I had a really interesting uh, twist on a cosmopolitan in disrepute in London over the weekend. That was really cool and interesting, a bit more floral. But yeah, I'm going sticking with my guns. Pina colada because it's summer and who doesn't love a pina colada in yeah, the sunshine? Pina coladas are great. I love an old fashioned. An old fashioned is mm. definitely one of my favourite ones. Mm. I'd, I'd probably go martini's my favourite. Very I just thought pina martini. colada was one of them things that no one ever really drunk. Oh <laughs> you know? my God. Oh no. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> my wife's favourite cocktail. It's a mum's favourite cocktail. Just people love them. I thought they were a thing of the past. Like I'm sure we talked about it when we had Tommy on the podcast because he loves pina colada as well, doesn't he? That's a great Tom drink. also likes Carlin. Yeah. Oh, no, Stella. <laughs> that's that's Stella. cool. I love that. Stella. I know yeah. um, back to the question. <laughs> uh, it's your favourite TV show? Favourite TV show? Oh, it's such a bad answer. I wish I was cooler than I was. My favourite TV show is Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Which is like an American <laughs> hospital drama. Yeah, I know. Is that because of your job? Is no. Why you liked it? I just really love being back in <laughs> yeah. surgery. I wish, you know what, with questions like this, I wish I was like a fundamentally cooler human, but I bloody love Grey's Anatomy. Although actually I really barely have time for TV at the moment, but that is <laughs> has been imagine. a kind of go-to for years. What's your favourite film? Favourite film? Ooh. I really love Wild seen wild reese witherspoon i got really into long distance uh, hiking yeah, recently yeah, yeah. i haven't seen it but i know which one mm. you're on about so i did them um, i walked across the uk last year on my own for fun which was a mad idea in a heat wave it turned out <laughs> um and i something about that film really i just really i really rate it that's not into the wild no different no just the film wild yeah. have you seen yeah. it uh who's in it what's about maybe I don't think there's anyone famous in it, but it's basically like a rich college kid decides to give up his um, inheritance and just go into the wild in America. I feel like I'd like that. And he tries to live, I think, for a year in the wild. Um, But I can't really say much else without spoiling it, but it's brilliant. Give it a watch. It's really brilliant. Mm -hmm. I did cry, just to warn you. It's sad. It is very sad, I but do, it's it's really good. I do cry in films, so that's I think it's based on a book. I think it was a book. Oh. I think it's a true story, actually. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Favourite band or artist? 
I'm really I, I change a lot with music. So when you know when you get your Spotify like write up at the end of the year, I'm the yeah. one that's like delving into rabbit holes of new artists or <laughs> artists you haven't heard of for years. So yeah. mine definitely has to be a right now favorite. So I'm listening to Coin at the moment. It's a like pop rock band from they're from Nashville, maybe. Mm. They're like not big, I don't think now. Yeah, I haven't heard. Yeah, of them. but there's this song called "Talk Too Much" that got me into them. It came up in like a Spotify playlist that you know one of those recommended for you things. Coin. And I did you say coin? Yeah, and I just listened to it nonstop, and then I kind of delved into there. I'm surprised I'm about it. I probably would have heard it without knowing it because I listen to a lot of Nashville and country and stuff. It's so. not it's pop rock. I think is like mm. officially the genre, but I'm pretty sure I read they were out of Nashville. But yeah, I just really like the vibe at the moment. But I really, I'm so, I so change the tunes I listen to depending on my mood. But it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. What's your favourite big fast food chain? Oh, I think it has to be McDonald's. It's the most common answer, isn't it? Definitely. Oh, I don't like being the most common. But it's it's there for a reason because it's the same everywhere you go. Look, yeah. there's not much difference between McDonald's is anywhere in the world. They're the you know what you're getting. Yeah, I just I remember going as a kid and like it's a bit. Like there's a bit of nostalgia there, yeah. and I threw a surprise birthday party for one of my friends in like the <laughs> McDonald's when I was like 13 or something. I just got some fond memories of chicken nuggets and strawberry milkshakes. What yeah. you order? Chicken milkshake. Chicken milkshake. <laughs> chicken oh, God, milkshake. Although, <laughs> yeah, now we're talking chicken, chicken nuggets, strawberry milkshake. Yeah. yeah, every time actually. So for food and drink, other than Birmingham and Bristol, what's your favourite place in the whole world? Ooh. I've got a real soft spot for New York because it's where I where the inspiration for Restaurant Festival came from. So I went out to New York to their restaurant festival in the kind of forming R&D phase of that festival and really loved it. I do also love London. Um, I probably, the, between those two. It's hard not to bring London into the conversation. There's so many. Mm. It's just so well alone. There's like a hundred restaurants I want to mm. eat at. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm, I don't get to go to London enough. Um, but for both, yeah, drinking and eating, what an extraordinary place and so, so close and so easy for us. Mm. Um, yeah, they, those both have absolutely kind of got a place in my heart. New York's one of the few cities that when I can afford to, I go back to as well, like time and time again. Um, New York comes up a lot as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I've really? been in New York. I've been a few times. Yeah. I got engaged in New York. Oh. I love New York. Top of the Empire State. No way. Yeah. I'm ba- uh, day before Paddy's day. Oh, <laughs> it was green and everything. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I it's said, so romantic. Said, and you're like, oh. I, said, I told my daughter that the other day in the car because uh, it was at Legoland when we seen the statue um, Empire State. And <laughs> I told her, she went, uh, that's the disgusting death. <laughs> and I was like, she's at that age, mate. <laughs> oh, <laughs> disgusting. You know what? I, I thought it was going to be because I've done it like, we went to a Michigan Star restaurant. And then we went up there like at like because it's open to like two or three in the morning, you know. I didn't know. So that. I went up there like half twelve, one o'clock, and, and in my mind leading up to it, I thought oh, it's going to be like empty because I, I hate doing stuff like that, anything public like that. <laughs> I got up there, it was rammed. No. I mean, like really rammed, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god. And I didn't realise it was like March, it was freezing. Oh so my like gosh. my wife was in, well, my girlfriend at the time, she was in a dress. So she's like, I'm freezing, why did you want to come for here? She's like moaning like mad. And then she's like, can I have your, your uh, jacket? Because I had the dinner jacket. And she, I was like, no, you can't because it had the ring in my pocket. <gasps> I was like, no, you can't. She's like, what do you mean? Get off my jacket. Yeah. <laughs> so you Get your own jacket. <laughs> so it's like nothing, <laughs> nothing like what I thought it was. Like, I love <laughs> engagement stories that are like that, where something like the, the bloke's trying to make something happen and the girl. 
just, oh, I'm just having none of it. Go. In my mind, it just was not like that. But it worked out all right. So. It worked out all <laughs> right. Yeah, That's the married. important right. thing. We're married. It's all good. There's no point having a plan with them things. I, did, I, no. I, I didn't even know I was going to do it. Did you Went not? down to London to see Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds at the Royal Albert Hall years ago now, this was. And literally I had the ring and I picked that out ages ago and I had no idea I was going to do it. I was like, we'll go for a fancy meal. But then we had a massive lunch. I was like, oh, I can't go to that meal now. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. I was like, oh. So I'm we'll just going to propose. We'll just walk to the <laughs> venue. And I was like, Sean, I've got some chocolate in my pocket. Do you want it? And then she went into the pocket and poured out this box. <gasps> and she was like, no. And I was like, well, I hope that's not the answer. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, this is like the secret romantic side of the Breaking Rare podcast. <laughs> Listeners, you're welcome. You're cutting all of that. Yeah, out. Damn it. We're into metal, you know. We've got a hard image to maintain. By the time I'm finished with you, you'll be watching Grey's Anatomy, Hannah, listening yeah, to Coin. Alex, this has been loads of fun. Really appreciate you coming on. I know how busy you must be. I don't know how do you find the time to do anything. <laughs> Thanks for championing Birmingham, championing our restaurants. Thank you for letting me be part of the podcast. It's been great chatting to you guys. Awesome.